And so we're building, we're building two buildings simultaneously. And so uh, I'm reminded of what Jesus said. I, he says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So uh, Jesus is building the church. Here and uh, he's in charge out there too. And, you know, he's in charge of paying for it too, incidentally. So I don't have any, I don't have any anxiety about that. I do know that he... Uh, we're going to read here just why I don't have any anxiety about it. He says, I will shake all nations and the desire and the precious things of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. And that is very attractive to me. It's very attractive to think that the church in here and out there is going to be filled with splendor. Amen. So, verse 8. This is why I trust God. You know, I, I wouldn't trust some people if they just had like $1,000 in the bank to pay for that building out there. But this is why I trust God. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Okay. So we have a rich God. Now go on. The latter glory of this house with its successor to which Jesus came and he's talking about when Jesus came uh, that glory shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts and in this place I will give peace and prosperity says the Lord of hosts so we've taught I've taught quite a bit on peace taught on, we've taught on prosperity go to the message Bible now please uh, and I really like the way this is worded. God of angel armies said, okay, this is God that has angel armies. This is God that has, has the ability to do what he said he's going to do because he's got, he's got beings in place to get it done. Before you know it, he said, I will shake up sky and earth, oceans and fields, and I will shake down all the godless nations. And listen to this. They'll bring bushels of wealth, and I will fill this temple with splendor. You know, what I get, this is the God of angel armies say so. What I get out of that is this, God will do what he needs to do to get the job done. So, go on to the next verse. I own the silver, I own the gold, decree of God of the angel armies. This temple, this church, here and out there, is going to end up far better than it started out. Why? Because according to the word of God, we have a mandate to move from glory to glory to glory it just gets more and more and more glorious so it started out glorious in the beginning but has an even more glorious finish a place in which he says i will hand out wholeness and holiness decree of god of the angel armies leave that up there for just a minute so in the amplified it talks about uh, in this place there's going to be peace and prosperity the Message Bible uses two different words here, but they have the same meaning. They're just parts of the meaning of peace and prosperity. So I, 
the, I've talked about peace quite a bit. Today, I want to center in on wholeness. It's important that God's people be made whole. And I'm reminded of when Jesus went to uh, the pool of Bethsaida, and he saw the, the man laying there, and he had laid there a long time in John, the fifth chapter. And he said to that man, Will you be made whole? Uh, it's, it's worded kind of like this. Do you want to become well? Are you really in earnest about getting well? So I think God's going to ask us that question this morning because we all have need sometime of be, being whole because we have been broken possibly. You say, well, if I'm born again, the Bible tells me that I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things, behold, all things have become new. How could I not be whole? Because when you're born again, he's talking about your spirit man. Now, I just want to remind you, you are not just a one-part or a two-part being. You are a three-part being. You, have, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And so when you were born again, your spirit was made perfect. It looked like God. And you know, I've taught that whenever you're born again, the love of God is deposited on the inside of you because you're made in Christ's image. You're made in God's image, and he is love. And so when you're born again, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. But it's another thing to, to work it out into our soul area. And our soul area is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So I have news for you. When you were born again, your spirit was made perfect. But your soul still needs to be saved. Because that's where the baggage is. That's where the problem area is. I want to look at 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Um, verse 22. <clears throat> Paul's talking to the Thessalonians and he said, Abstain from evil, shrink from it, and keep aloof from it in whatever form or whatever kind it might be. Verse 23. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things, make you pure and holy, consecrated to God. Now that's God's mind. If you think God tolerates and enjoys a loose lifestyle, you are wrong. God wants you separated from all profane things. He wants you pure. He wants you holy. He wants you consecrated to God. So then he says, and may your spirit and soul and body, so that's our three parts, be preserved, sound, and complete, and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. So this is our goal. Our goal is to take the perfection 
that we have on the inside of us and let it work outward. We need our souls saved. We need the term that the Bible uses is sanctified. There is a process of sanctification. The church that I grew up in, they, they really emphasized sanctification. Only the problem with that, they, they got it interchanged with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit the way the Bible says, but they believed in sanctification. And they, but they thought it was an instantaneous thing, which it is not. It is a process of sanctification. And the scripture that I just read has to do with our spirit, soul, and body becoming blameless. Now, how does that happen? That happens as our soul gets saved. And the problem with our soul is this, that it has been wounded as a rule. Now, there may be somebody here that's never, never had any wounds in your soul. Wounds in your soul come about through sin, your sin or somebody else's sin. And through trauma, traumatic events in your life can cause your soul to be wounded. And so you come into the body of Christ sometimes with a perfect spirit, but a wounded soul. And people that have wounded souls, it's painful. Let me tell you, wounds are painful in your soul. They're not just something that, oh, well, no big deal. It's a big deal. If it's your soul and you've been wounded, it's a big deal. And some people, when they get their soul wounded, they try to fix it themselves. They uh, turn, uh, put up Isaiah 50. They turn to a lot of different things. Uh, whenever they get wounded. Some people will turn to drugs, alcohol, uh, unlawful relationships, uh, or look out there for someone to heal them. Uh, they, they will maybe spend money to try to feel better about themselves. There's just a lot of things that people turn to when their soul is wounded, trying to get fixed. And let me tell you, if your soul is wounded, you do, you have, there's pain there. And you need to get fixed. You want to get fixed. It's uncomfortable. And you make everybody else uncomfortable because you are wounded. Isaiah 50 says, and I talked about this on Wednesday night, but I, I want to talk about it again. Who is there among you who reverently fears the Lord? who obeys the word of his servant. Now, that's, that sounds really like a really good Christian. And that might be a really good Christian. Yet, who walks in darkness and deep trouble and has no shining splendor in his heart? Then it says, let that person. He's given us a remedy here. 
for this situation. And you would think, well, this would be obvious, but people don't, they don't do it sometimes. Let him rely on trusting and be confident in the name of the Lord. And let him lean on and be supported by his God. You know, sometimes that's the last place people look. They try to do it some other way. And it doesn't work. And we just found out that it, it steals the, the shining splendor in your heart. That God intended for you to have. But it's not there. You're walking in darkness. You're struggling. Have you ever seen a struggling Christian? Have you ever seen a Christian struggling with depression? Addiction? Go on to the next verse. Because... Then he's addressing this person. Says, behold, all you enemies of your own selves. So whenever you don't turn to God and you're wounded, you're an enemy of yourself if you turn to something else. Because he goes on to say, who attempts to kindle your own fire and work out your own plan of salvation. Who surround and gird yourself with momentary sparks and darts and firebrands that you set aflame. Then he says, walk by the light of your self-made fire and of the sparks that you have kindled for yourself, if you will. But this shall you have from my hand. You shall lie down in grief and in torment. What is he saying? He's saying if you're going to another source to get healed and you're lighting your own flame and you're taking some advice from, well, you should do this or you should do that or you should do this, that it has side effects. Doing it God's way has side effects and they're good. When you do it the enemy's way or your own way, it always has side effects that are not to your benefit. Now you may get temporary relief. Temporary relief. Temporary sparks and momentary relief. And uh, I mean, that's what people tell me. I've never, I've never drank. I've never, uh, and I'm not proud. I mean, I'm not saying that proudly. It's just that I, I was taught not to. And so I've never, I've never had a drink of alcohol. But they tell me that for a moment you feel really good. But I've seen the side effects. I've seen, I've seen what it does to families. I see, I see a lot of things that are not good. And in this scripture that we read, it says there is a remedy, but it doesn't come from what you do. It comes from what God can do. And so we're going to look at what God can do. Because I what I want to get across to you this morning is you can be healed of anything that has ever happened in your life that has wounded your soul. You can be healed. You can be whole. And I, I have read you this before, but I'm going to read it to you again. A picture of a whole person. So as I read this, I want you to examine yourself and see if this is a picture of you. If there's any lack in 
your life in regard to comparing to this whole picture of a whole person, then you, can, you could use a healing in that area. So this is a picture of a whole person. A person who is whole is a person who has a positive outlook on life. Positive. They see the good in others and have the ability to overlook their faults. A person that is whole has the ability to withstand tests, trials, and tribulations with emotional stability. Maintaining the joy of the Lord without murmuring and complaining. That means they don't allow depression in their lives. A whole person has the ability to be kind and giving to others, but is not a man pleaser. They can stand up for what is right, no matter what pressure is put on them to compromise. A whole person is confident enough in who they are that rejection has no effect on them. For that matter, they hardly even notice it. They do not feel that they have to criticize others because of their imperfections or immaturities or inconsistencies, but can accept others and forgive easily and freely. They can easily trust God and man. This is a picture of a whole person. This is what God wants all of us at Victory Center to look like. This is what God wants us to be, a whole person person where our souls are saved so that so jesus came he had a purpose when he came so put up isaiah uh, 61 please i want to read uh this is jesus purpose this is his mission statement the spirit of the lord god is upon me because the lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek the poor and the afflicted. So he has some good news for us. Jesus, this is Jesus' um, mission. He has sent me to bind up and heal what? The brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives and the opening of the prison and of the eyes of those who are bound. I just want to stop there for right now. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. So what is a brokenhearted person? Now, when we were created, on the inside of us, God put the love of God. We were made in his image. We have the love of God. We were made to love others, to uh, replenish the earth, to take dominion. There was a lot. He, this is some of our purpose. But when sin came, sin destroyed a lot of things in a person's life. And they became broken. Now, when we talk about brokenhearted, it's not talking about your spirit. It's talking about your soul. Because the rest of the, the, rest of the verses following this uh, confirms that. So... Someone that has a broken heart is someone that does not function the way God wants them to function. And I have here a, you men will, you probably recognize this, but this is a curling iron. This curling iron works. It heats up. 
but I can't use it for that purpose because it's broken. It cannot fulfill its purpose because it's broken. You say, well, what's the big deal about that part? I mean, that's not the part that heats up. Oh, but this is a big part. We women know this. We know that if, if it is broken, if you touch this, you're going to get hurt. There are people that are broken and they are able to function in life, but you get close to them, you're going to get hurt. And so to use this broken thing, I have to have a glove that keeps me from being hurt. Have you ever heard of anybody that has to be handled with kid gloves? They're broken. So this is not God's plan for his people to be broken where they can't fulfill what God wants them to do. Where they're so touchy and so, so uh, dysfunctional that they can't do what they were put on this earth to do. And anybody that does live with them or around them has to have their glove to keep from being burnt. That's not God's plan. And so Jesus came and he came to heal the brokenhearted. Look at Luke 4. Um, verse 18, yeah. This is Jesus himself speaking. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captive and the recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, who are bruised, crushed, broken down by calamity. See, we've all... I, I say we all, maybe not, but most of us have experienced calamity, some kind of tragedy in our lives. Uh, we've, we've, sin has bruised us. Somebody else's sin has hurt us, betrayed us, uh, rejected us. Uh, there's a lot of things that's happened in our lives, and it's wounded our souls. And Jesus said, I have come. Back that up just a little bit now. He said, I've come to announce if you're in captivity to depression, whatever you're in captivity to a, any kind of addiction. Uh, he said, I've come to release the captive. I've come if you're blinded in any area spiritually. And that's really what happens whenever we're wounded because the devil will impregnate us with lies. He will give us lies about who we are. He'll give us a lie about who somebody else is. He'll tell us lies. He'll blind our eyes to truth. So Jesus came to re, uh, recovery of sight, to the blind, to bring truth, to send forth, delivered the ones that are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down by calamity. That's good news. He said, I come to give you some good news. The good news is this. You really don't need a psychiatrist if you have Jesus. Now, I know I might get letters about that. And I know there's some things in the natural that we can do uh, that can help us. But listen, this, we need to know that we have someone that can deliver us. We have someone that is so powerful 
that he can do in our lives what needs to be done to heal our soul. Now, Paul said uh, in, uh, let's see, uh, let me find that scripture. Philippians 3, verse 10. This is what Paul said. My determined purpose is that I may know Christ or know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understand the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. That I may in the same way come to know. Listen, this is what I want you to get. The power outflowing from his resurrection. When he died on the cross his, and shed his blood, he took care of the sin that plagued us. When he was raised from the dead, that power that raised him from the dead is now made available to us. And Paul said, I want to know everything I absolutely can know about the power that is outflowing from that awesome resurrection. Ephesians 1, uh, Ephesians 1 uh, verse 17. Paul says this. I pray, is that the TPT? Yeah. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I don't know how many times we read in the scriptures how important intimacy with God is. You're not going to become what God wants you to become without an intimate relationship with God. Go ahead. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us in his holy ones. Go ahead. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Now, just stop there for just a minute. God has so much power. We're going to read here just a little bit about how much power he has available to us that we need to find out about. He says it's available to you through faith. It doesn't just drop on you. You have to receive it. Okay. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is, listen to this. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead. The resurrection power. And exalted him to a place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. We're going to stop there. The power that Paul says, I want to understand this power. I want to know this power. Is the same power that went down in the very pit of hell. And raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And seated him far above principality and power. 
the same power. The same power is at work in us and through us. That same power is available to us. Don't you think that that's power enough to deliver you from anything that's prob any problems that you might have in your soul? It's big enough. God's power is big enough. But how do you get it released in your life? Good question. Glad you asked because I want to look at James 1, verse 21. So get rid of all uncleanness and rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And in, so I'm just going to stop there. First of all, we got to do something with any kind of sin that's in our lives. Don't play with sin. That's like playing with snakes. Poisonous snakes. Why would you want to do that? So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in an humble, gentle, modest spirit receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. So that word implanted and rooted uh, in the King James it's used engrafted. Word engrafted will save your soul. So you can just, you know, just cut to the chase. Word implanted saves your soul. So, or engrafted. I looked up the word engrafted, and it means joined or fastened to. So, the word of God joined to you and fastened to you will save your soul. So the question is, how do you fasten and engraft the word of God to you? How do you do that? Well, I learned that this year in a great way. Now, I've done it many times over the years. But this year was a big challenge to me. On January the 1st, when Pastor went to heaven, my husband of almost 60 years went to heaven, uh, I had never experienced the kind of heartbreak that I experienced that, uh, during that time. Uh, I didn't call it heartbreak, but my heart was broken. And um, my emotions were a mess. I mean, my soul was traumatized. And I have to tell you that I had never experienced the kind of pain that I experienced during that time. And I, I didn't know what to do with it. I'd never experienced it before. And that pain was so excruciating that I understood for the first time uh, why people turn to things during that time to try to relieve their pain. You know, anything to relieve your pain during that time. And I, uh, I went for many, you know, days and weeks just struggling. I would, um, I would, you know, my emotions were just a mess. And I cried a lot. And I would go through the house um, 
feeling the emptiness, feeling everything that you feel during that time. And uh, the only thing that I could figure out that would heal me is if things would go back to, to the way they were. And I knew things were not going to go back to the way they were. And so it was just like I could feel the hopelessness. I could feel the depression. I could feel the self-pity. I could feel all these things try to come on me. But I already had learned it's not worth it to be depressed, to have self-pity. But I needed, I needed healing in my soul because my soul was broken. And... Uh, so one day in particular, I said, Lord, I can't stand this anymore. I've got to have healing. And knowing what I know about how to walk in faith, and I said, Lord, I have got to have a scripture to stand on during this time because I'm not going to make it if I don't have a solid foundation of the word. And immediately, this, the scripture popped into my mind, and I didn't even know where it was at. But it says, the part that, I, but th that the Lord impressed on me was, he will turn your mourning into dancing. So could you put up uh, Psalms 30, 11? I don't know if I could put that down for you or not. Um, he said, he would turn my mourning into dancing. So I looked it up, and it says, he will turn your mourning into dancing. He will cast off your sackcloth, and he will gird you with gladness. And I had my scripture. And so uh, there was times. And then I, then I went to Isaiah 61 where uh, you don't have to put this up there. Just leave that up there. But I, I looked at Psalm 61 where we read the first part of it where Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Then it goes into uh, comfort those that mourn in Zion. And give you oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That you could be the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he could be glorified. And that's what I wanted. I wanted Jesus glorified. I did not want what the devil had done to glorify him. I wanted to glorify Jesus. And so, this is what I began to do. When the overpowering emotions came, I would stand up and I would say, he turns my mourning into dancing. He puts off my sackcloth and he girds me with gladness. Thank you, Jesus. You turn my mourning into dancing. You cast off my sackcloth and you gird me with gladness. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You're turning beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Thank you, Father, that you are more, you are comforting me because I am mourning in Zion and you are comforting me. And what was, I, what was happening was I was engrafting the word of God in my soul. And I began to notice something after a while. I didn't have so many sad days. I began to feel strong emotionally. There were some days I didn't even cry at all. And then there would be two days that I wouldn't cry at all. And then after a while, there would be a week that I didn't cry at all. And then after a while, there would be a month, and I hadn't cried one time. 
And I thought, you know what? I think the mighty power that was at work in Jesus Christ that raised him from the dead, that same power has been released in my life and has brought me healing. I don't know if I'm totally healed, but I'm way, 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 way farther than I was before. I can, you know, I go through some things that normally I would have boohooed, and I just, there's a little sadness, but it doesn't affect my soul. Listen, this is what God wants for every one of his children. Uh, put up there uh, um, Psalms 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect. The word of God is perfect, restoring the whole person. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So where are you going to turn when, when your soul is wounded? Where are you going to turn? You know, there's times that I would think, oh, I just need a shoulder to cry on. And then I thought, well, I could cry on their shoulder, but nothing would change. I could cry all day long and still nothing's going to change. Or I can get healed and something will change. That's what God wants. Because he's got great and mighty. He wants to be glorified. And he wants you to be planted. And he wants you to be stable. And he wants you to be a whole person. Stand with me. I think we're just beginning to learn, just beginning to learn the, that mighty power that is at work within us. Just beginning so much more. Why, you know, Paul said, why to the Galatians, he says, why do you turn to those weak and beggarly elements of the world? You know, we can turn to the weak and beggarly elements and they may have a little tiny bit of benefit. But it's only a short-lived when we can be healed and be a whole person. Isn't that better? You know, I could run around here if, you know, if I had a broken leg, I could run around here on a crutch. I probably couldn't run very fast. But I could go around on a crutch and I could get around but it's so much better when it's healed and I can actually run around, which I'm not going to prove it right now. But uh, God wants us healed. He wants us to be whole people so that we can be lights in this world because that's really what it's all about. It's not just getting ourselves fixed. It's be getting ourselves fixed so that we can help and be a, a blessing to someone else that we can fix help lead somebody else to where they can get fixed you know we're just healing pushers soul healing pushers that's what we are but if we're not fixed we'll turn them off you can tell people about Jesus all day long but if you're not fixed it's not nearly as effective.
Thank you for joining us at Victory Center Online. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If there is anything that we can do for you during this season or at any time, do not hesitate to contact us. You may do so by sending us an email at contact at victorycenter.org. Please go to our website, also victorycenter.org, and fill out the prayer request form. We would love to pray for you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.